So, Frodo, what did you think? Well, it's good, but it was kind of long. Mm-hmm. Almost like you were trying to stretch it out unnecessarily. Hmm. You really could have cut some of that stuff out. Oh, well, it's an epic quest. But I'm not really sure why we needed to know what Gandalf was up to, or what that elf lady was there for, or what Legolas's purpose was. I was universe building. And for a book called A Hobbit's Tale, you kind of disappeared halfway through. Lots of dwarves. Well, I, I can't be everywhere at once. Also, what exactly were the five armies? It's kind of unclear. Yeah. And that sidekick from the Master of Lake Town. Oof, talk about a character that goes nowhere. In the middle of the earth, in the land of Shire, lives a brave little hobbit whom we all admire. With his long wooden pipe, fuzzy woolly toes, he lives in a hobbit hole and everybody knows him. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, he's only three feet tall. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, the bravest little hobbit of them all. Welcome, Ring Race, to Geek Salad episode 125. Tom Bombadil ain't in this one either. Well, that, that's it. I'm gone. Nah, forget it. Yeah, well, you know, this podcast is going to suck now. Nerd. I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. And uh, Catherine couldn't make it tonight. So um, instead, filling in for her is my lovely wife, Autumn. Hi. Also known as Galadriel. Also known as Galadriel. Or Toriel. Or, or any token female. Token female. We're filling our estrogen quota. Yeah. Autumn, daughter of James. <laughs> and uh, today we are talking. I don't. I can't believe we got through 125 episodes, and we really haven't much talked about the Lord of the Rings saga. Especially considering that the last Hobbit movie came out what a year ago, Two, almost a year and a half, a year and a half ago. ago. Yeah. yeah, this was on the list for a while, and then just. Holiday holiday work schedules suck for us. Yeah, it kept just getting pushed off. Those movies kept coming out in the, in the you know in the winter. Oh yeah, and uh, working retail, we got a lot of free time. Oh, exactly, winter, tons of it. So we might as well just say this is in celebration of the release four months ago of the um, Hobbit director's extended cuts. <laughs> that came out was that four months ago. That was like four months. What November? You got November. those right before Thanksgiving. Wow. And we so, just finished it like a month ago. I find it funny that somebody somewhere at Warner Brothers and Peter Jackson's production company felt, you know what? The Hobbit's not long enough. We need more. Oh, we are going to talk about that at great length, my friend. Good, because... So, let's... um. So, yeah, let's talk about something we're not really going to talk about in great length, just Tom due Bombadil? to... Yes, Tom <laughs> Bombadil. Drop it. Um... <laughs> We're really not going to talk too much about the books for a number of reasons. One, when was, that, Autumn, when was the last time you read the books? When did Fellowship come out? 2001. Then I read it in 2000. And, oh, wow. 2000. I, I finished it with like a month to spare okay. before Fellowship came you did, out. You did better than I did. I, I did. The last time I read any of the Lord of the Rings or Hobbit books was college. Oh, 20 wow. Years, 20 years ago. Jeez. Over 20 years ago. All right. Pretty much the same for me, actually. Well, it, well, because it's funny, I watched the cartoons before I watched. For me, for, yeah. the, for the longest time, the Ralph Bakshi Hobbit cartoon animated films were, for me, the Hobbit. Oh, yeah. we'll get into that. I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with Autumn. The, I, I finished them 
I finished all three. I finished Fellowship before the movie came out, like just like a day before the movie came out. Um, but I finished the that whole trilogy right before uh, Two Towers came out. I didn't even finish. The I, so two thousand two. I didn't even finish the entire trilogy. Yeah, the la- last time I made a valid attempt was right around when Fellowship after Fellowship come out. Anybody, anybody actually try to read the appendices? I'll take that as a no. I got, you know, I, I did read one of the appendices, like the last one, uh-huh. because that one actually had one of the most fitting endings for the Lord of the Rings trilogy that I've ever read. Which was? It was like, uh, it was talking about like how like um, Gimli and um, Legolas sailed off together, and that was like, with the passing of them, that was the end of the Fellowship of the Ring, of the Ring in Middle-earth. Mm. How about the Silmarillion? I have not read that. I have consulted the appendices... Recently, we got into a debate about, um, not a debate, well, watching The Hobbit, and when, am I jumping ahead here? No. No. Well, basically, when the Azog decides that he's going to kill off the entire line of Durin, and he's very excited because Thorin is dead, and spoiler alert, and so are his nephews, we're saying, well, what about Thorin's sister? And so I consulted the appendices, and they give her a name, and you learn that she is the only dwarf in all of Middle Earth, who is female, who is worthy of having a name. <laughs> no other female dwarf, even Gimli's wife, doesn't. Have right. A name. Or mother. Gimli's doesn't mother. doesn't rate doesn't rate no, a name. No, they don't rate a name. Nope. So so well, she the, must so, have really kicked some ass. So so what's the over under on the Silmarillion becoming a movie? Pro- Christopher Lee is dead. Christopher Lee is dead. Yeah. Um. Is is Saruman a uh, big part of the Silmarillion or? I don't know, but Christopher Lee. Uh, kind of. I, 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 but from what I understand, I thought it was like the Silmarillion is supposed to be like the prequel. It kind of lays the the rules for the world. I, I never, so. I never actually read the Silmarillion, but I did read the Wikipedia article on the Silmarillion. <laughs> oh yeah. Red neck was a you know short brief summary of it, and yeah, and hundred percent accurate too. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I mean, it kind of like tells about how the the One Ring was was created and how like uh, Sauron like. Was you know Sauron actually had a master who was like basically the uh, Middle Earth's version of the devil. Palpatine. Oh, okay. Or oh, Palpatine. Well, I think, well I, there's, there's a video on YouTube that explained. I saw that. Explained oh yeah, by yeah. GCP, but, by GCP Gray. He kind of yeah. Over the whole that, that's thing. actually a good one to, to watch too. Yeah. Huh. I no, I haven't. I, the only reason, way I would ever see that becoming a movie is if Peter Jackson has like three more well-intentioned flops. Well, the thing about oh, it, he's a masochist. It could actually work as a trilogy because it's it's like a whole bunch of little stories put together. Let's put it this right, way, yeah. Mike. The Hobbit is a three hundred page book that he turned into three three hour three movies, movies. Yeah. before extended films. Exactly. Well, actually, and again, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Autumn, you are reading our daughter the Hobbit right now, and you learned something about the way uh, Tolkien writes. Run-on sentences all the time. If you ever yeah. try to read it out loud to somebody else. It's difficult. It's like I keep the, running out of air. It's like the Bible. <laughs> it kind of is. Well, I don't know. Jesus wept isn't really a, a very long run on sentence. No, but it, no. Well, I'm, I should say Old Testament Bible. Yeah. Oh, okay. it's just... <laughs> and lo, he of the thing would eat the thing and begat this person who begat, begat that person who begat a cow who begat this. Well, yes, but the, the appendices of Lord of the Rings have a lot of that. Right. That's why, that's why I can't get into the Silmarillions. Like, yeah. You know. And this is and, and this is coming from a guy who will re- soak up anything on Wikipedia about Star Wars. Right, exactly. 
Wikipedia. Hey, hey, it's a real website. It's a real website. All right, so damn fine website too. That's right. So Steve had his um, two cents. I have to read this because it was very well thought out um, about Tolkien as a writer in general and about the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, wake me up when he's done. Oh God. Let's get one thing straight right now. Peter Jackson's film adaptation of Lord of the Rings is objectively better than the books. I will agree with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll agree with that. that. Yeah. The darkest secret in all of geekdom is Tolkien was a terrible writer who barely understood story structure. The work itself doesn't even come, become popular in two decades after its publication when the counterculture movement adopted it as one of their sacred texts. And Tolkien hated those fans just to, just to piss them off. He altered so much of his own mythology when he was compiling the Cimmerillion. You know what? If you think about it, Tolkien or the original, the the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, really kind of set the template, the archetype for every fantasy lit mm-hmm. and every fantasy trope that we understand now. Like if you look at every like every video, every fantasy video game like Dragon Age, Skyrim, yep, a lot of the tropes that Tolkien laid the foundation for is used. But in those. but. And I will credit the Hobbit Extended Cut extra stuff on this. Yep. Tolkien almost didn't invent <coughs> anything. All of his tropes that we consider to be the, you know, the father of fantasy are almost entirely lifted from Norse mythology, yeah, Icelandic yep. sagas. Yep. Right. I mean, he he recrafted them and brought them into the twenty. I'm like, what century? In the twentieth century. But <coughs> he didn't invent as much as he we did. give him credit for. No, he didn't invent it, but I think he he kind of put it all into one kind of single entity right. that we all kind yes. of accept. He was more, and Steve and points this out, that he's more interested in popularizing Elvish language. And you and you make yeah. make a point that really during from the forties through the fifties and into the sixties, you know, nobody really cared. It wasn't until the Dungeons and Dragons age, which was I think 1974, 73, 74 when it first came out, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, 71, I think. That's really around the time when yeah. Tolkien and The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings really took off. Well, right well to time. be fair, it wasn't Tolkien alone. I mean, it was Tolkien and all of his group. It was like uh, Tolkien, uh, C.S. Lewis. Yeah, but C.S. You know, Lewis too. And, and in the 60s, it was Frank Herbert. Yeah, C.S. C.S. Lewis. Narnia and the, Narnia they, they and the were, Hobbit, they, they, they were partners. I mean, they, they were partners, but, but they were so different from each other. Yeah, yeah. But things. I mean, they both took different elements of like fantasy and create and kind of crafted with it. Right, right. I, I think that I think the Tolkien's took the more role yeah, yeah. in popular culture. Well, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although uh, the Chronicles of Narnia are way way easier to read. Well, yeah. Yeah, and they still he, breeze over massive well, battle plus, scenes, too. He, well, he, he, was, he, was, much, plus, he plus, was a much I mean, better writer. Well, plus, Tolkien, you know, Tolkien was a very devout Christian, but he didn't beat you over the head with it in the way that Lewis did with it. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, there right. was no there was no Aslan Jesus allegory in, that I could pick out in that. Aslan was Jesus? No way! You oh, lie! <laughs> All right, here's just a couple of other of uh, Steve's points. Now, say what you want about the Hobbit films. They're definitely inferior, but they aren't the abomination everyone was expecting, nor are they silly children's romp the novel was, which probably have given everyone flashbacks to the Star Wars prequels. The, the Hobbit films, the Hobbit trilogy wasn't bad, per se. It was, it was, it was wholly, long-winded. It was wholly unnecessary to be that long. Yeah. Right. When, when we actually get into the movies, we'll talk about that. And then, finally here, can we also address the elephant in the room? Oh! oh. You can blame Steve for that one. 
Tolkien was a goddamn racist. Don't believe me? Go read the novels again. In addition to orcs being a race of black-skinned people who were born evil, the humans that fight with Sauron, the Easterlings, and, so and Southrons are Asians and Africans. Only white people got to be the good guys. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Dante Hicks is just like you. He loves grape soda. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that, you can make that point of anybody. That is, yeah, a lot of them. 40, so. so, but yeah, I mean, realistically speaking, you know. Racist, come on. Stephen includes where Tolkien was a major influence on anyone who created the things Geekdom loved the most, like Star Wars and Dungeons and Dragons. So when you look back, he was doing the Lord's work by helping to preserve the virginity of thousands of young men. Hey. There you go. Kept me pure through high school. It's hard to chase girls when you're carrying a thousand pound page book. You know, a thousand right. page book. Hey, should they want 20 sided die? Please date me! Or throwing 20 sided die during lunch and uh, playing D&D. &D. <laughs> oh, should I yeah. date her? I should roll my 12 sided die. <laughs> anyway, it rolls a win. I, I, I fail. I fail. I shall get the four sided dice now. <laughs> I stole my dice. It's crime royal bag. Now I have somebody to put all my dice in. <laughs> Don't tell me you didn't do it. Because I, I know you both did. did. Oh, hell no, I didn't. I did, I'll admit it. I've never played Dungeons & Dragons. Really? Yeah. Closest thing i ever played is like the, the video game, which is not really Dungeons no, & No, no, no. I was more of a Marvel, uh, Marvel Heroes. The Vision version? No, no, the arcade version. As long as it's not that shitty cartoon. <laughs> oh, I watched that one. <laughs> All right. Unicorn. Unicorn. I watched that too. No, boy. you're the paladin. For some reason, bod like a sheep. I watched Dungeons and Dragons at the house of a friend of mine who had a cat, and the cat's name was Shadowfax. Awesome. Like Gandalf's horse. Yeah. And I didn't understand that because her she had all these other cats with like normal cat names like Kitty and Fluffy and but this was Shadowfax and he was a big white Maine Coon and she said, Yeah, it's a it's a weird name. It's from some book my dad likes. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty five years later it I was reading on you. the book and I was like Oh <laughs> that's who the cat was named after. And then automated her life's mission to find this guy, wait till he was carrying a gigantic pile of books, run up and dump him. <laughs> Nerd! Some, some 70, 70, 75 year old guy. The hell? Nerd! What the hell is that? Alright, so now let's get into our childhood, where most of us were essentially um, initiated into the Middle Earth saga. Yep. The animated movies and TV. Uh, TV movies. That's right. So, let's start with Rankin and Bass's The Hobbit. Dude, that Goblin King freaked the shit out of me. He is not nearly as terrifying now as he was when I was a child. Yeah. At all. I loved it. I know you loved it. We watched it a few years ago. The Hobbit cartoon when I was a kid. I look back at it now and I see how much they cut out of it. Yeah. Well, it's funny, too. Especially now, having... We, we have the movie, the actual physical live-action movies to compare it to. Mm -hmm. But the fact that, essentially, they are repeating animation like crazy on those dwarves. And and, and for the longest time, the, the Rankin and Bass Bilbo is the way I've always pictured. Yep. Even yeah. as I'm reading the books through, 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 uh, through college and 
you know, when, when I was uh, in high school and in college, I used to draw a lot. Yeah. People would ask me to draw stuff. And people would ask me, hey, can you draw Bilbo? And that is the way I, I would draw Bilbo. Would be exact. I would be a copy hmm. of uh, Rankin and Bass. Until I, until I saw Elijah Wood doing it, I'm like, maybe Martin Freeman? Or, well, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Elijah yeah. Wood was yeah. the first Hobbit that we, that we saw. And, and I'm I'm sorry, but why did all of the uh, dwarves have really huge noses? Well, that's actually how I would picture dwarves you, you, Well, you remember how you said earlier that he was a huge racist? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and they coveted gold. I get it now. It's all coming back to you. And they were, and they were evicted from their homeland. And yep. they've been and wandering for... And he's, years and he's writing. This, he's, writing <laughs> he's writing this in 1930s England. Yep. He loves grape soda. That yeah, that's true. Even though, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it's it's it is enjoyable to watch. It's definitely it's a good primer, especially for children. We plan on showing it to Scarlett as soon as we finally finish the book. Yeah. Just taking me a long time because. Reading it out loud, like I said. Run on. But, you know, but you know, I mean, as a little kid, I mean, you, when you compare it to the normal Rankin and Bass stuff we would get during the holidays, yep. the quality of the animation was actually pretty good. I, yeah, yeah, they repeated a lot. I've but never it was been a fan. Very of their, well done. I've never been a fan of their hand-drawn animation, but I do enjoy it in that one. And the score. Yeah, I like the music. Yeah, yeah. I can still. Hum I keep all confusing it with the so, with the songs and score from the Last Unicorn for no reason whatsoever. Well, it's the same time period. It's a, yeah. it's a very kind of similar art style. Well, not art the style. The greatest adventure. Um, funniest thing in that entire movie, though, and we, Autumn and I talk about this all the time, when, you know, Smaug is attacking Lake Town, and Bard oh, yeah. looks yeah. down, and he has this soliloquy to the damn Black Arrow. Black Arrow. <laughs> you have never failed me. And I've always managed to get you back, which is a Fucking weird thing to say to an inanimate object. Yeah. So wait, wait. Does that say that every time he shot someone with this arrow, he'd go over to the body and just rip the arrow? Yeah. It's like that's kind of creepy. What the hell are you doing? Hitting with the blood off of it. If the black arrow is big enough to bring down smog, why are you using it on humans? Right. It would completely (laughs) impale them. Maybe he had like like, oh, just cut them in half. Maybe he had like five bandits in a row. He just wanted to kill them all in one strike. It's like in Deadpool. Yeah. Boom! Oh yeah, I'm gonna touch myself tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you see, yeah, he's sniffing the tip of the arrow. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean the one thing too, we saw a lot in the in the behind the scenes stuff for the Hobbit extended cuts. They showed a lot of the animated Smaug. Mm-hmm. I felt his face looked like a cat. Did you get that? Well, he looked like a. Yeah, kind he of. He didn't look he, like a he, reptile. He had a very like a mane. He had a real Asian dragon influence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all in all, out of the three we're gonna be talking about here, it's the best one of the three. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Head and shoulders, wit. Head and shoulders, better than Ralph Bakshi's. Uh, I mean, they cut out a lot, but I mean, it's a shorter book, so you didn't have to cut out as much as the Ralph Bakshi stuff there. Right, right. Everything, but the, the the only issue, I mean, and this is a time, and I'm assuming a budget thing. Everything just gets rushed at the very, very end. Yeah, there, there really was no battle of five, five armies in that. Yeah, one, exactly. It's like they killed Smaug, and that was the end of the movie. So I mean, I honestly, when I oh, all right, and then everyone's gonna fight. I'm not giving you my gold. Fight, fight, fight. Okay, Doran's dead. 
<laughs> yeah, when, when I heard that they were they were making the Battle of the Five Armies movie, I was like, wait, wait, what the hell is the Battle of the Five Armies? It's exactly three pages worth of uh, the book. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. Hey, exactly hey. Three, fr- three frames of animation. Yep. <laughs> Nope. All right, which moves us on to 1978's uh, The Lord of the Rings, directed by Ralph Bashke. Rotoscoping at its not-so-finest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot about animation watching this movie. Yeah. What not this. to do. You've I've never, never seen that? Never seen oh, that. my God, Mike. I hadn't either until you forced me to watch chunks of it. On exactly, TV. and she's not lying. I forced her. <laughs> I'm like, it you is, have to watch this piece it of is shit. Tighter her down. Horrible. We didn't watch the whole thing. We only watched highlights. Take their eyes open. I don't think I could have. I mean, however, however the, the, the thing is, you could you could see where the storyboard artist for the actual Lord of the Rings trilogy, the Peter Jackson, got their their kind of design ideas from. Mm. Because if you if you look at the costuming for the origin for the Ralph Bakshi, yep, it's pr- pretty much a lift or what the Lord of the Lord of the Rings, the Peter Jackson movies, pretty much lifted the costumes yeah. from the Ralph Bakshi Except costumes. every, like, adult male. Mm, no. I distinctly remember Legolas looks like a, um, you know, in the Peter Jackson, he's he's got kind of browns and greens on. And yeah. In the Bashki one, he's wearing, like, white, and he's got, like, a puffy shirt on, like a pirate. <laughs> oh, okay. And he has flowing blonde locks, but... Not, not like you think of it like like you know he's got some some moose in there he's got so kind of like a, hair so very much uh, derivative of um oh, who's that model it's on all the, the Fabio yeah that's it yeah. Fabio and Aragorn looks like a Native American he does he does Aragorn all the adult men in that movie look grizzled <laughs> he had like Real an grizzled. age boy haircut too. yeah it's weird. But you're right. I mean, the rotoscoping on that movie just oh god, god, the laziest form of animation known to man. Here, I'm gonna film all this stuff, and then I'm just gonna draw over it. <laughs> um, oh, it's it's funny because we watched it after we saw Fellowship, and after I had had several heated arguments at work with people about which was a better movie, and so. And I hadn't seen, I honestly hadn't seen The Lord of the Rings in years. So I couldn't remember, oh, well, maybe it is better, I don't know, I'll go, I'll go back and check it out. So I got it from Netflix. The way they were building it up, I honestly thought Tom Bombadil was going to show up in it. But <laughs> no, he didn't. Um, it just, oh. It's a product of its time, first of all. You could tell, like, watching the movie where they had budget meetings where they are like, you need to cut back. And you need to cut back right now. <laughs> we're not cutting craft services. We're cutting on animation. <laughs> well, people have got to eat. People do have to eat. Um, Gollum. Oh, Gollum was awful. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, that's the thing is that Gollum in the in the bat in the Rankin and Bass version, it's like a little frog man. Yeah. Who was well? But he was creepy. It was very well voiced. Well, and he was creepy. Was and he was creepy. I mean, yeah. He was, oh, he, he was, was creepy. very creepy. Yeah. But the other one just kind of looked he- like a humanoid, oh. like a little green humanoid. He did. I mean, again, I, going back that the, the 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 Jackson movies are the better representation of everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this this thing just couldn't hold the candle to to Gollum in the uh, in the Rankin and Bass versions at all. You got to check it out. 
Oh yeah, I really want to run out and buy and rent it <laughs> well, right all right. now. Well, here's the funny. can force you to watch. Yeah, it. here's the funny thing though is that it, again ran out of money, so they only made they're going to make two of them. Yeah. So it ends right before the Battle of Hem- Helm's Deep begins. Oh, okay. And then they then never concluded it. <laughs> oh, you know what? Maybe that maybe they're just saving up time. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm now, sure. now, that, now that the hype's back up. And, and once Bastion's dead, they're going to have just the the filmed versions of it that he didn't get a chance to draw over yet. Oh, God. All right, and that actually brings us to the last one of the animated ones. Which and now is, with more boobs. Oh, God. <laughs> the Return of... This is of, Ralph Bastion we're talking yeah. about. The Return of the King. Rankin and Bass's Return of the King. Never seen this one either. Apparently, and it's been even, a long-ass time since I've seen this. Apparently, this is worse than the Bashki Lord of the Rings. Well, let me go out and run out and watch this one now, too. Where there's a whip, there's a way. (laughs) When, um... When Sam and Frodo are trying to escape, they're, you know, they're dressed up as orcs. In, um... Oh, God. Minas Morgul? Minas Morgul, Yeah. They, there's like this army of orcs and they're just they're singing and there's like that guitar behind it <laughs> it's really really terrible I mean Casey Kasem does one of the uh, I think he does Merry or Pippin I can't be bothered to figure out whom so let's run down the top 12 orc music <laughs> it is it is bad it is really 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 bad I haven't seen it as I can't say. Oh, God. I'll take your word for it. All right, yeah. Apparently, you've got to watch it now, Sam. Apparently, i got to watch yeah. it and then, and, Well, there's this minstrel that shows up in the beginning. Frodo of the Nine Fingers. We have brought with us someone who has written a ballad about the adventures of Frodo. The Minstrel of Gondor. Frodo of the Nine Fingers and the Ring of Doom. Yeah, that's Leonard Nimoy. Is that Le- Leonard Nimoy? No, 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 that's no. a different song. Yep, which is opening our show, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, bet your ass. All right. And then, um, yeah, so we have nothing to say about this, because apparently I'm the only one who saw it when I was like... Nothing good 10. to say anyways. So. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to the movies, because that's actually going to take up the largest of our conversation. Anywho. So that's something we've all seen, actually. Yes, exactly. Multiple times. Yeah. Multiple, times. multiple, multiple times. Every time it's on Spike TV or uh, TBS. Really? If, uh, if is that one of them for you? If if it's a, it's a if it's a marathon on Spike TV or on TBS of the Lord of the Rings, I will plant my ass and I'll say, I'm done for today. I am watching this. <laughs> I never watch it on TV. Oh, I do. I every just, time. I must only view the director's cuts. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Don't, the trust, me, cut. trust me, we have we have the original release DVDs. But on TV, the direct... they only show the original cuts. Right? No, I, we have we have the DVD, the original DVDs. We have the director's cut Blu-rays. But if it's on Spike TV, I will stop what I'm doing and I will plant my ass and watch it. I don't. It just seems wrong to watch it with commercials. Mm. It is. Yeah. I mean, if, if 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 you really want to waste 12 hours of your day, <laughs> not only that, but it still doesn't feel right. Watching a movie of that epic in scale on a television channel. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, it's bad enough <coughs> you have to watch the DVDs or Blu-rays, in this case, on a TV and not, like, a big, huge screen. And some of us aren't rich, Michael. Yeah. And we don't have our own personal movie theaters, okay? Well, neither do I. 
Yeah. The closest thing I got is like a 50 inch. Okay. Still bigger than ours. Anyway. Um, yeah, so this was actually an innovative way of filming the movies. Take all three books, shoot them all at once. And it was risky, too. That was unheard of at the time. Well, not, was... to, to mention the fact that Peter Jackson, at this point, was unbelievably unproven yeah. as a yeah, big-scale filmmaker. Yeah, he hadn't done any major his, Hollywood blockbusters. His, his biggest it, hit, I think, was The Frighteners. The Frighteners, yeah. I saw in theaters. Did you? So, yes, I did. So Why? It wasn't that bad, honestly. So Warner Brothers took a big, huge yeah, risk. Not, One, get well, Peter Jackson to do it. But then put in all the money to do it all at once. To be fair, not Warner Brothers, New Line. Well, they, they, at the they, time, they, yeah. They limited their, their loss by pushing it off to a, a sub-company. Well, like they do with Legendary, yeah. Yeah. They right. do with Legendary. Yeah. And this is, I mean, it, well, I mean, it, Peter Jackson's a no-brainer, first of all, because, first of all, he knew New Zealand was going to be the best place to shoot this whole and thing. And, two, he is a hobbit. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> Secondly... New Zealand is so small. I'm pretty sure that Peter Jackson knows every every, every square inch, every square of New Zealand personally. <laughs> <coughs> he scouted every single location. Now, do they still do the Lord of the Rings um, tourist? Oh, I'm sure they do the tourist packages. Probably, I read that after the Hobbit, when they had to reconstruct Hobbiton, they decided to keep it up yeah. as a you know tourist destination. Oh, so you can not? now go and go visit Hobbiton. Oh, nice. Hmm. Honestly, I wouldn't mind it. I, it's New Zealand. I'd, like, I'd just love to go to New Zealand. But still. Well, you, I mean, this was like New Zealand's biggest, like, I don't know, biggest advertisement that New Zealand yeah, ever I, had I, was. I think, I think there are a, probably a good portion of the uh, population of the United States that only know of, of, New, of New Zealand, Zealand because of these movies. You know, people who don't play rugby. Right. <laughs> well, there's also a running gag on Flight of the Concords, too. Like, Murray. Murray worked for the New Zealand consulate. And he was kind of in the travel department. So there was just all these things. New Zealand. Just like Lord of the Rings. And I mean, for the longest time, like Air New, Ze- I, Air yeah. New Zealand had their safety videos were all the cast of The Hobbit yeah. or The Lord of the Rings in character. Yeah, doing the safety well, By everybody, you mean Billy Boy, don't you? No, no really. Like Orlando Bloom. Um... I think the only one that they didn't get was um, uh, Luke, Ty- Luke Tyler did it. Wasn't did it? They probably didn't get Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, Viggo Mortensen. Anybody wasn't going to do a travel video. It was going to be Viggo Mortensen because he's kind of kind of become well, a crotchety old man. Hasn't yeah, he? it wasn't. It wasn't a travel video. It was the safety video right. that you see before. Still, yeah, that would be hilarious. <laughs> I'm sure that's on YouTube somewhere. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Find it. Um, I do you remember when we first saw the trailer, Autumn, for Fellowship? Vaguely. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to bring them all. And in the darkness, bind them. Christmas, the most extraordinary tale ever told, will come to life. Even the smallest person can change the course of the future. 
I think we, we saw it in front of Hedvig, of all movies. I think it was in front of Hedvig and the Angry Inch. I just remember the shot of them all climbing over the mountain one at a time. And they hit the, they, they hit the Howard Shore swell, that fellowship yeah. swell. And they're all coming up. And what they did was they were smart. They listed them all out. Coming 2001, Fellowship of the Ring, 2002, The yeah. Two Towers. And as Aragorn is coming up the hill, 2003, The Return of the King. Mm -hmm. And plus, I mean, it was a genius idea using the Howard Shore score because if you just had like a generic score, it wouldn't nearly have worked because I, I know you've got your issues with Howard Shore. What issues do you have with Howard Shore? He has no issues with Howard Shore. Who is, who is it you have a... James Horner. Okay. You know, so well. I mean, if uh, Howard Shore is, is one of those guys that if John Williams couldn't do Star Wars, I'd love to have Howard Shore do it. No, Michael Giacchino. No. Yes. Giacchino no. is the next Williams. No. I'd have John Hodman before I have Giacchino. And let's go back, Nerd! Let's go back to you right the Lord now. of yeah. the Rings. Yes, let's get back to the Lord of the Rings real quick. Um, Michael Giacchino should have scored. Quality. Um... <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, the trailer was just like, wow, this is actually going to happen. Yeah. And then we saw it. And that remember... A, that was a magical night. That was a magical... Oh, here, here's how we saw it. It was us, Jim and Rebecca. I mean, like, there was like 12 of us. Yeah. We went out to dinner, and then we went to this premium theater in Framingham, Massachusetts, that was like 21 plus. We all got our tickets in advance yeah. in nice first class luxury seating. And then we sat there for three hours watching a, a movie about hobbits and elves and dwarves. When, when, when I hear about his 21-plus theater, I think of something entirely different. <laughs> the gutter, Mike. Get your mind out of it. Get out of the combat zone. I really I really enjoyed Fellowship. Yeah. I really did. I mean... It's, and you know what? It, it is a three-hour movie, but it doesn't feel like no. it. It actually moves along so, yeah, so yeah. well. And, and, and that's one thing you can say about the original trilogy. It, it does not drag. There's a lot of flow to it. Um, now, it's interesting, too, because I asked some guys at work, you know, which of the three of the originals were their favorite. And they all went, they all said, they actually all said Fellowship. I can buy that, because, uh, I mean... I can understand it. I can understand it. it but my, I'm torn between Two Towers or uh, Return of the King. The thing is, I remember seeing the Fellowship of the Rings so vividly because it was so... Epic and scary. I mean, yeah, I mean, the other two were epic, but it was the first time I've ever actually seen something that epic in scope on the, in, in movie theater. Not only that, but what they managed to do to pull, up, pull everything off in terms of doubles casting, in terms of forced perspective. Yeah. Which, yeah. When, we got, when we talk about The Hobbit, completely changes everything in terms of how they had to do that. Yeah. But the, but the thing about Return of the King, though, seeing Minas Tirith for the first time, it's like, blew my mind. Yeah. That was like, I was like, wow, that is everything I imagined. Well, that, and that's the interesting thing about Fellowship, is that there aren't a lot of gigantic set pieces. I mean, um, Lothlorien yeah. is like the big set piece in that movie. But well, even, well, Rivendell. Oh, Rivendell, yeah, sorry. Even not set pieces, like, what sticks out in my mind is images. I remember, like, the moment... That the gates open and the nine the ride out. Oh the yes, first yeah. Time yeah. And you hear their musical theme, and I remember that was just one of those. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be so good!" And yeah. it just and it, little shots. It's only like a like a two second shot, right? But it's so iconic. And, and there's, there's, I mean, there's there's so much. There was 
it's hard to pick out just because all three of them were so good. I mean, right. like a, a Fellowship of the Ring, the the Balrog. Yeah, oh, I mean Gandalf and the Balrog going at it was that was with Jim when because Jim went with us. He's like, that's what I can't wait to see. I want to see how they do the Balrog. And, and when they, they first started making the noise, yeah, Jim was like seated two people away from me, and he starts going like this, banging on this thing of and they chair. nailed it. And not, oh, yeah. they, not just the Balrog itself, but the build up to like. When when they see the like the the fire the fire and the smoke and you see just see the and, smoke it's just coming or, coming through the like the comms and the goblins all scurry away and yeah. they start running yeah. you know like oh shit what's coming and then it appears on that bridge and you know oh yeah it, it hits right there but you're uh, but you're right Andy I mean he Peter Jackson did so, or Peter Jackson and the cinematographers in general did such a great job with perspective force perspective. That you never felt that Elijah Wood as the Hobbit, it never felt out of place. Right. You know, and that, that's they the... transitioned so smoothly from up, you know, up close, where you can tell, you can see the scale between uh, Elijah like, Wood and Gandalf, Gandalf and, and, yeah, Gandalf, yeah. and then from far away, yeah, and everything, it, it all looks in scale. Yeah. Uh, and especially making John Reese Davies, yeah, a dwarf. Another thing too that I think everybody's forgetting about the brilliance of this movie is also in the writer. Because as we were saying, Tolkien... Could not write. He needed a good editor, and he didn't have one. But the fact that... I'm, I'm trying to remember how it is, but the difference between Two Towers and Return of the King, the fact that they took the storylines and intercut them, because when you're reading it, it's like, oh, Merry and Pippin have gone off. And then you don't hear from them right. for another thousand pages. Yeah, right. And you, you don't... You don't care. Don't care, and it, it works best. The way that they wrote the storylines, they intercut them, and they had them all... Mm. Conclude together. That's that's all. Absolutely. You know, one one more thing. I, I you know we really have to mention that they did so perfectly right was the Weta workshop in like building all the physical like they they made the chainmail link by link. That so, was that amazing. That is a labor. That yeah. is well, you know what's it, it, it? And I've read it on crack so many times, but the attention to detail that not just Weta Weta workshop and Pete Jackson. Each piece of armor for the orcs or for anybody has its own backstory. Yep. He actually went out and wrote a backstory for each piece of armor, equipment, sword yeah. that you that is on screen. There's a story to it. The actors know what the story is for it, and it's it's like wow. I mean, yeah. That's dedication. Now in the hobby, you could tell he was like, I've had enough of this. No, well, that's he, not true. That's actually not that's true. Really not true. Yeah. He just didn't have the he didn't have the budget for oh. it. No. No, they didn't. No. You just don't get to see it because they never spend enough time on the close-ups yeah. of the dwarves. Right. But there's a lot of... I mean, we were one of the behind-the-scenes things we saw, there was this woman knitting. Like, with needles. Knitting a costume. That takes days. Actually, you know what? I, th I take that back because I did read something that in The Hobbit, in The um, Unexpected Journey, that contract that, that uh, Bilbo signed... With the, uh, mm -hmm. the course yeah. is actually a legal, legally binding contract. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually written so well and so correctly that it, it is actually legally good. It's actually good. It would hold up in a court of law. Well, and the ironic thing is that he just like signed B cover patch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the thing about knitting, they would do that with scale doubles. They knit the clothes for Martin Freeman in his size. And then they can't just take the same fabric, cut it smaller, and put it on his scale double. It has to be re-knit 
I don't know. With smaller needles. Smaller needles. Yep. Okay. Finer gauge fabric, uh, yarn, but it's got to be like the same color. I mean, that that is extensive attention to yeah. detail. Isn't yeah. Um, and the other thing, too, is, and I mean, no movie is perfect when it comes to special effects. There's no, There are certain points when you're like, I am watching a special effect. Legolas. Oh, you know what? Legolas, Legolas yeah. Yeah, when we return to the king, yeah, yeah. you get to. But you, if you look at it, Return, um, The Fellowship of the Ring came out in 2001, which is the same time as Spider-Man. And you compare the amount of visual effects that were, that were was in Spider-Man versus what was in Lord of the Rings. Or, I mean, there are, the uh, there are a Ring. lot more practical effects in in this first trilogy oh, absolutely. than I think we realized. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could you could tell in moments when they there was CGI. Yeah, it was on. It was perfectly obvious. But it, well, at least in this case, I've always felt like Weta Weta is hit or miss. They're they're almost always hit with these movies, and then when you watch something like King Kong, it's like okay, I totally don't believe any of these people are in this environment right now. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I mean they're 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 a close second to ILM. Yeah, I mean, because there's some moments in ILM visual effects are like, you yeah, think. that's obvious. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything about this first movie was very, very satisfying. Yes. Yeah. Even yeah. the, I mean, even the ending was great. Nope. Now, now, am I the only one who feels sad what? at the end of Return of the King? <laughs> no, I've always had one problem with. I, I actually, I think Fellowship is my favorite of the three. And All I right. Pick one, and I've always felt that there's one thing missing. That when uh, Frodo and Sam yeah. head off, I feel like it should end on. I, I feel like we should have had a shot of Gollum slinking after them. Right. I, that's the like one quibble with the whole thing. I feel like it shouldn't be like, oh look, Sam and Frodo, they're going off into the sunset. It's like, no, we need we need like that that tense note that Gollum is following. But if you if you think about it though, I mean, I I agree. I think it would be a better ending. But don't forget what Gollum looked like in the first movie. That's true. Gollum did not look like Gollum in the first movie. No, they didn't. They didn't nail it until second movie. Until second movie. Yeah. Th- uh, that would kind of remind me of uh, that that uh, Simpsons episode where it's the dog, the dog with the shifty eyes. <laughs> so uh, that moves us over to the two towers, which, while great movie, I don't feel this is anybody's favorite. Well, because it... It's the middle chapter. It's the middle chapter. It's it not doesn't, Empire. It doesn't, doesn't really have a beginning, and it doesn't really have an ending. It's just... It's a, bri- it's a bridge. Yeah, right. it's just a, they're at a bridge. Has one of my favorite lines of the entire sh- series, though. Which is? Legolas, what do your elf I see? <laughs> and you have to admit, the Battle of Helm's Deep is epic in, it is in epic. every moment. When the, the tension in that in that in, in Battle of Helm's Deep is when the Urukai are waiting at the gates, and then it starts to rain, yeah. yes. and you can hear that the drops plinking off of the armor. I'm like, yeah. God, I'm poop myself right now. <laughs> it begins. Oh God, everything. I mean, with this movie, I mean, yeah, this is this is Gollum's movie. Yeah. Yes. Hands down, this is the Gollum show. Yeah. yeah, and Andy Serkis is amazing. Well, I mean, considering it starts off showing his origin, I mean that kind of thing. No, that was Return of the King. That was Return of the King. Yeah, mm-hmm. which was filmed after the success of Two Towers. Like they went back in to film that. Well, they filmed that that sequence. They did not. Un- they they underestimated how well received Andy Serkis was going to be in that role. They had to put a backstory in there. Yeah. 
Um, well, and that show shows, shows face. Yeah. What, what was the prologue of uh, of uh, Two Towers then? Two Towers was just the. Um, it was. It, it's the mountain, and you hear. Oh yeah, the, the whole thing with um, Gandalf falling. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It wasn't really Gandalf. Right. It was just right. yeah. the yeah. battle. Yeah. And then and then Frodo wakes up because he's having he's having a bad dream, and that's when um, Gollum shows up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It's. I mean, seriously, what a find, and what a what a piece of just just it, this is a cinematic breakthrough. This the scene where he, where Gollum and Smeagol are. Conversing. Oh, oh, oh! That's a brilliant, brilliantly shot scene. Just the the, con, the constant well, cutting so, of the camera so, angles. Well, Andy Serkis did such a brilliant job oh. on that. It is just like it's unbelievable. Yeah. You don't have any friends. Nobody yeah. likes you. Nope. Nope. Go away. Go away. <laughs> I hate you. you be without me? Willem! Willem! I saved us. It was me. We survived because of me! Not anymore. Well, there's that scene also, and you, and you had mentioned this about when, um, was it when they were, um, when they were abducted? You said that Gollum acted like a petulant three-year-old? Oh yeah, there's that scene when he's captured by Faramir, and and um, they're in the cave, and he's muttering to himself, and he's like, they stole it, they stole it. And Faramir's like, what, what did they steal? And he he says, my precious, and then he just he screams right into the camera, and it's like the exact face that a really pissed off toddler has when he's having a temper tantrum. Oh yeah, you guys have seen that recently, haven't yes. you? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I recognized it even before I had. No, no, I'm, hey, I'm with her. I, 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 I've seen that face too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do love his little song about the game, the catching the fish. Oh yeah. Did you see Um, what I liked too was it was it was really I thought the intercutting between dealing with Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. And their adventure. Yeah. And Merry and Pippin and um, Treebeard. And yeah. And that thing. And then the stuff with uh, Frodo, Bilbo, uh, Frodo, Sam, and um, Go- Gollum. Home, just, home, home. It, it just, it, you know, like you're saying, there's never a lag in that movie at all. I would say if, if I had one issue with this movie, it's I never really got attached to Faramir. I'm not even supposed to in this one. I mean, it was, it was honestly, after, even, even after, though, Bor, after Boromir is like, yeah, Boromir was like so. Like, he, well, he was such a big, it was such a pivotal part of yeah of Fellowship of the Rings, and if they hadn't cut out the scene where exactly where, what's his father's name? I forget. Denethor. Yeah. Denethor. Yeah. If they hadn't cut out the scene with Denethor, then Boromir would have been such a much more tragic character, and. Then Fermir became the tragic character simply because you don't know what happened, you know, because you don't know the circumstances of why Boromir was there to begin with. Right. I mean, I mean, even, I mean in, the, in the books, I mean, you really don't care about Fermir that much. I mean, I, I didn't. You know, it's like, well, you know. I mean, even even in uh, Return of the King, I always thought that Fermir was just kind of like, he was like there and 
you know, okay, let's go down to the characters we we actually like. Right, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't until the Return of the King that he became the tragic. Right. The tragic, even then, right. even then, I never really cared too much about him. But again, I liked him. if it was, I, I liked him. I guess if it was included, it was there, in, if they included it is included in the theatrical. And now, all right, so that brings up an interesting question. We've all seen the extended cuts, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that really truly the only accepted version that we're going to take? Because I believe it is. I, I think that's... I think, so, I think yeah. every yeah. everyone that's seen both versions realize that the the extended cuts are much better films. Yes. Yeah. It, it 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 fills in a lot of holes and it makes a lot makes makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Right. And for once, it's not a director's cut that is just full of its own ass, you know. Well, right. because, because again, because you don't you don't I didn't put to I didn't put it together that what's his name again? John Noble's character? Denethor. Denethor was Burmia's father until Return of the King. Right. Yeah. In an awful wig in uh yeah, two towers. Yeah, the worst wig in the entire trilogy. When we saw the original when we the first time we saw the two, two towers extended I think it was the wig department. He yeah. had a bad wig. We saw that that scene in Two Towers. Autumn's just like, why did they give him that wig? It got better in Return of the King. What? You know what? Every every single time I see John Noble after that, I never connect. I never like am able to place him. Like, wait, that was Denethor. No, I was like, you know, Denethor well, yeah, is just I mean, character. Well, it's funny. The the, the 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 next big thing I saw him after Return of the King was Fringe. Yeah, it was the TV show yeah. Fringe, and he was so different from that. And it's like, okay, it's for me, the same character. For me, it was Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow, yeah. You okay. Sleepy Hollow? Oh, no, no, the TV, TV show. show. Yeah. The oh, TV show. He movie. played uh, Crane's son. Yeah, no. I, I never watched Fringe. Oh, I love Fringe, but... Anyway. All right. All right, but I, I... Yeah, this is a fun one. So, shall we move on to Return of the King? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, swept the Oscars the year it came out. Rightfully so. Well, thirteen I mean, Oscars. It, it won every category it was nominated. I think for. everyone pretty much accepted that, that was really just kind of a Oscars for the entire trilogy. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the other thing too is that these three movies are one yeah. big movie with a year long intermission in between them. Yeah. Um, Don't ever try watching them all three together. Extended cuts. You know what? I mean, we did, did that. Hey. We did that. Oh my goodness! Just get that get took your, the entire New Year's Day. Get a, <laughs> get, get a snack pack of Twizzlers and a piss bucket <laughs> well, because it's gonna be. A, yeah, we uh, had some friends who had a New Year's Day party, oh. and it was it was right after Return of the King had been released theatrical cut that December. Yeah, no, it was it was actually the extended cut. The extended cut. Yeah. that's what I meant. The extended cut. They invited a bunch of people over. And they showed the whole thing, and they had food all day. It was, a, yep. it was an excellent In day. In fact, when Return of the King came out, we went over to Jim and Becca's, and we watched the first two, and then drove over to see Return of the King. That's, well, a, that's a marathon. That is a marathon. But you know what? The thing is... None of us I had think, kids at that point. Yeah. Out, out, time. Out of the th- out of, actually, out of all six movies, I think this one is the most emotional. and uh, mm. At least for, oh, me, yeah. at least for yeah. me, Pat's the most emotional punch, because... I mean, the scene where Aragorn goes up to the hobbits and say, you know, you, you, no, you, you I, need I, to no. bow to no one. My friends. You bow to no one. No. Yeah, I always get a little tear in my eyes. Like, Do we have the same moment, Andy? At the very, very end? No, my moment 
every yep. single time. I know what you're talking about. I can't carry it for you, oh, yeah. but I can't carry you. <laughs> and then the music swells up, and I cry, and I've, no. I've probably seen that movie 20 times. That's my mom. I cry every time. Yeah, it's when, when Aragorn says, no. you bow for oh, no one. That, that is a good, that is that like, a good part. Oh, but for me, it is the same. I, yeah. I can't carry it for you, but I can't. It's, wow. Come on, Mr. Frodo. I can't carry it for you. But I can carry you. Come on! My, my, so my father is not a fantasy man at all, and uh, he once watched Return of the King with me and my mom because it was on TV, and he was quiet the whole movie. I was expecting questions because he hadn't seen the other two, but yeah. he's just watching. He's silent. He doesn't say anything. I assume they didn't like it. And at the very end, when um, Frodo gets on the boat and everybody's crying, my dad's like, why couldn't he take Sam? Sam was the man. That's all he said for the entire thing. I mean, and you mentioned... It's a good point. It is a very good point. And you mentioned it it swept the Oscars, and, I mean, wasn't it such a victory for Geekdom that it won Best Picture? I mean, genre pictures, like, yes, finally. And I'll say, that was a good year for movies. That was a a stacked year, too. That was a really good year, because realistically, I was in my secondary rooting for was uh, Master and Commander. Yeah, that was a good movie. Great movie. Um, I'm, I'm a British naval nerd, so that's... No! But, um... <laughs> Shocking, I know. The, you know what actually gets me? My moment isn't any of those moments. It's just at the very, very end. And this hit me when I first saw it, that, like, it's over. Yeah. It, it, this I, just came to an end. And then Amy Lennox's song hits, and I'm just like... Last. No! Yeah. yeah. It, it is the perfect song. With the end it of the is. Movie. Oh, but between that, I mean, everything at the end of that movie, we haven't even talked about the actual movie yet. We talked about the end of it. When they show the drawings. Yeah. Like those yeah. sketches of all of the actors. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I remember you. Oh. <laughs> oh. And, and you know what? I mean, the ending is emotional, but when, like, the very end of Sam comes back picks up his daughter, who is actually, you know, yeah, Sean Aston's daughter. daughter, and then walks in, that is, that is the perfect ending. Yeah, it was a great, yeah, it, the perfect one of five endings yeah, in that movie. And, and, and the music, and the music was so perfect, too. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Just the, the strings, and it's like, oh, you get me right here. Right in the nethers. Um, <laughs> Whoa, not, let's not go that. Yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> Smooth criminals. <laughs> but... All in all, I mean, I this I, this is my favorite one of all of, of the three. Yeah, it, yeah. Like I said, it's for me. It was a toss up between this and Two Towers. Well, it's but, funny it's too because really I had to remind myself about the theatrical release of this movie because again, I only accept the director's cut now. Mm-hmm. Snob. Um, I had totally forgotten that Saruman does not show up in the theatrical version. That's right. He just kind of like he's up in the tower and that's it. You never see him again. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think yeah. I mean, after. After Treebeard, you know, and his clan destroyed um, Saruman's tower, the surrounding area, he's like, you just kind of forgot about him. He didn't even put up a fight. He just kind of, right. he just kind of hold up in his little in his tower, and you just forgot about him. But he had Wormtongue with him. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, a guy yeah. named Wormtongue. Wormtongue, hold me. He's absolutely, out there. he's absolutely trustworthy with a name like Wormtongue, isn't he? Grima, you've been crying. <laughs> well, I mean, and you, well, you think about it, really, after his fight with uh, Gandalf in, in Fellowship of the Rings, he, Saruman really didn't have much to do after that. Grivyokai. Who, by the way, are nowhere to be seen in Return of the King. It's oh, like, no. they forget about the orcs for the first two movies, and then all of a sudden, it's just orcs. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe when they destroyed uh, Sauron's lair. Yeah, you destroyed their, their Urukai-making Ooh, factory. That's a good point. Where they were, you know, breeding them in the jelly pits there. Yeah. That was disgusting. Yeah. That was disgusting. I kind of, yeah. I kind of like the whole the, the old corrupted elf thing. <laughs> exactly. I, I love it when my quibble with the movie is so tiny. My biggest problem with Return of the King is I don't like Aragorn's hair. I like <laughs> really? when he has the when he has the hair down really? and, and he pulls it back into like a little half ponytail. Yep. I kind of hate that look, and that is my only problem with the movie. So that makes it a pretty damn good movie, I think. What was the name of the um the ghost soldiers? Oh, oh, just the, the dead, right? No, no, no. they had a name. Specific they, name. So nobody was, has anything like that. Beginning with the end, like Numenor. Yeah, the Numenor. Really? No. No. Oh. No. Somebody no. look that up, Numenor please. Numenor is right the now. line of men of the north that Aragorn is descended from. I thought that was the Dinadine. Those are the ones that are still alive. Oh, okay. You guys got this because yeah looking. please please because my quibble is hilarious is it the rubber skulls no it's not the rubber skulls even though that was pretty funny and that that level's a bitch on uh, lego hobbit by the way like lego lord of the rings sorry they just, call, they just call them the army of the dead army of the dead well, okay on, where are you uh wikipedia yeah i'm gonna look up uh like the the one ring the the the, the, the lord of the rings right. wiki well anyway let me just say that when they actually are attacking... Fill, fill their ult to the Isildur. No, they look like green Drano. Like, seriously, it's just like... It's just like this green I mean, swath of blue which is coming and killing everybody. But yeah, what it is, you know, what it is, is and I understand they're kind of ghosts and everything, but like, they're just kind of like disembodied from the waist down and just kind of have no weight to them. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay... But again, I, I understand. They're yeah. close, and that's the way this movie yeah. meant to And be. the worst special effect in the entire series is in that movie. Oh, yeah, well... Legolas on the Elephant. Legolas on the Elephant, yeah. That was a bad-looking bad. special effect. But it did get... Almost worse. as bad, and it's actually a little worse than Legolas on the Cave Troll in Fellowship. I have a feeling that that entire... I, this is just my hunch. That entire sequence of Legolas twirling around on the Oliphant in Return of the King was added after Fellowship came out and Legolas became the teenage girl. Yeah, the oh. teenage girl. <laughs> no, not the... I know what you mean. He became the one that all the teenage well, girls when, liked. When did Pirates of the Caribbean come out? After oh, three. It came out oh, the three, same oh, year, okay. but yeah. Although I will say, it did give birth to like one of my favorite lines from the trilogy. That still counts as just one. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're back in... Their banter their was. Their banter was one of the high points of that entire yeah. of all, all the movies. The drinking game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually wondering about that yesterday when I read the chapter to Scarlet about. Um, oh, the elves drinking wine. Yeah. Yes. So in the Hobbit, 
the elves who are keeping um, the dwarves are locked up in jail. Yeah. yeah. And they do these escape with the barrels because the elves drink a little too much wine and pass out. Now, I'm thinking of that drinking competition between Legolas and Gimli and how much beer, le- and I'm like, how potent is this wine? Why? That it, it, one it, bottle it, is going to knock these it, two elves out. Yeah, if it can, if it can, yeah, if it can knock out them. Well, if it was elven wine, it might be like on their level as yeah. opposed to you know the ale of man. Okay, mm. I guess well, that's Was it the Yeah, I mean, yeah, because they were. Drinking. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Dwarven ale is probably a little bit stronger than. Mm. But they, you know, they were they were drinking in Theoden's hall, so yeah, it was, so it was, was man, man man ale. So it was basically, it was, it was, they were drinking Schwitz. It was yeah. manly man. <laughs> they, were well, drinking, they, they, they were drinking the Elven and Dwarven equivalent of Schwitz or Natty Light. Yeah. <laughs> a whole bunch of. Um, Oh God! Not even like, not even like Paps. It's just like, you know, old century ale or yeah. something like that. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. So, can we move on to the Hobbit? I suppose if we should. I think we have to. All right. Now, I, go I, ahead, honey. You I say. Just, it. I just want to say that the Hobbit extended cut issue is worth it for the behind the scenes. If if you watch, I mean, there's like 20 hours on there, and if you watch all of it, or even part of it, you got your money's worth. First you, of all, yes, and you will have a totally different level of appreciation because the amount of work and the craftsmanship and the detail that they put in and the heart that they put in was just as much as they put in Lord of the Rings, and people don't give them credit for that because the movie was a little. It, too I long. don't. I don't doubt that. I just question the need to do it over three movies. There's a lot of interesting stuff on the behind the scenes about that. I mean, the public. I think, and I here's mean, the thing, Joe. I didn't really. I, I was kind of with you on that too. Mm-hmm. The public perception when the Hobbit came out and when they announced the three movies was Jackson is just farting out three movies. This could have easily been taken care of in two. Not even two. I Not mean, any, I, yeah. And. and when I, I when I, I went to see um, an unexpected journey, I went to see it with my brother, and we saw it. I mean, we had both written read the book. We saw it. I mean, we sat. I mean, it was, it's a three hour movie. Yeah. And you're thinking to yourself, why couldn't they have accomplished it in one movie? It and and I don't doubt that they put a lot of effort and a lot of heart into it, but. When, one when it first was first announced that they were doing it three movies, I'm like, why do you need to do it three movies? It seemed it just it it, it screamed cash grab to me. Yes. Right. They're they're extending it to three movies because they know they can they think they can get all the money they can. It <coughs> again when you watch the when you watch this behind the scenes stuff, it gives you a, a completely different appreciation for why they did what they did. Mm-hmm. It really was just more of an appreciation towards. The, the world that Tolkien is, had created. Right. And again, but Fran I, Walsh. But I, but, I th- but I think I think Lord of the Rings did a very good job very good job of establishing that world. Yes. Um, well, first of all, they were the Dead Men of Dunharrow or Oathbreakers or the Men of White Mountains. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, you for clearing uh, that up. <laughs> Nerd! And uh, secondly, I... <clears throat> I honestly think that they were not given as big a budget on these guys that they were on Lord of the Rings because they, they obviously, I mean, Lord of the Rings, they had extras 
for the majority, like when they had like the huge armies, that was majority of extras. Yeah. And the Hobbit, when they had huge armies, that was majority CGI. Eight. No. Yep. Twelve men. Hmm? Twelve men. Twelve men. They did a lot of. There was a lot of stunt casting and a lot of motion capture. Motion capture. Yeah. But for the twelve armies, for the elves, they had twelve different guys, each doing different choreographed moves into motion capture, which were then replicated so that when you look at the screen, you see thousands of men, but you're really seeing 12 men doing, like, right. the same moment, but you have, because you can't have everybody doing the same thing, or it looks right. no, no, but The goblins, in the first movie, in, in Unexpected Journey, it's the same thing. Mm. They, and a lot of it, they end up scrapping, because... I guess the costumes are just really hard to get around. Yeah. yeah. But, because I, mean, I, I think if they had a bigger budget and were able to hire more extras yep. for all that, I think it would look a bit better. I, I mean, that's just probably personal opinion. No, I mean, but I mean uh, on the face of it, it, it didn't look any worse than, the for me at um, least, it didn't look any worse, you know, aside from the, the, the trolls, uh -huh. how the trolls were. Legolas doing his uh, Super Mario Bros. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's in another movie. We're not, we're not even there yet. But... Wow, Legolas! You're better than us! You can jump and fight and flip and stab and shoot and jump! Legolas! Legolas! You're better than us! You're better than us! Kill anything that gets in your way and we love it. Wow, Legolas! It's hard to get past that one, uh, come on. Yeah, but then you look at Smog, what they did with Smog. Right? Yeah. Smog been great. Smog right. is the best dragon I've ever seen yeah. in any movie. Yeah. Ever. I mean, on the face of it, I don't. It, it, it did not look any worse than. Significantly worse than the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It didn't look well. The, you know, in all fairness, too, it didn't look like there was nine years worth of innovation put into it either, though. That yeah. that that's true. But by the same token, too, I also didn't need three minute panning scenic shots. I mean, it was like I have already seen all this in Lord of the Rings. Hey, they just want you to have another reason to go to beautiful New Zealand. I think it comes down to personal preference. I, I totally see what you're saying, but I think that there are some people who might enjoy a three-minute I mean, shot. I mean, I would have loved to have seen more with the brown wizard. What's, what's his name? Radagast. Radagast. I mean, I thought he was... Played by Doctor Who. That's right. The eighth Doctor? Uh, no, no. The, uh, the sixth Doctor. The sixth Doctor, yeah. No, no. That's seventh. Yeah. Come on, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. What? Well, I think that the story that they told was was definitely bigger than one movie, but it wasn't nearly big enough to cover three. It was intended to be two. They right. should have gone with they, two because they shot for two, and then they had to go back and. Because which it, shows, there was just a lot of padding in there. Right, which shows in the extended version of Unexpected Journey, there is I mean, you less could, than, what would you say, ten minutes of new stuff? You, you could really notice you, you could, yeah. you could have put, you could have put um, Unexpected Journey and Desolation, Desolation of Smog as one movie, 
and then Battle of the Five Armies as, as a separate movie. No, no. I, I actually I'd go the opposite. Desperation and Smog and Five Armies together. Once no. Smog is dead, it's kind of yeah. Yeah, but once, Mog, once Smog is dead, that leads kind of to Goran's madness falling into madness. You could have done one single whole movie on that. Well, yeah, but you also didn't need an hour and a half of that either, though. It's... All right, so we're, all right, we're, we're getting off track here just based on timing of these movies. So let's just talk movie-wise right now, and then we can kind of adjust from there. So Desolation of Smaug, in my opinion, is the best of the three. Absolutely, absolutely easily. Because I agree with Autumn. And it has nothing to do with Benedict Cumberbatch, right? No, nothing at all. No. Well, hey, don't get me wrong. That is perfect casting. Oh, yeah, no. He's got yeah. the voice. What did you, what did you, what was that meme that you read? Oh, uh, <laughs> it, it's basically they were justifying the cost of, like, The Hobbit was, like, what, $250 million? And Yeah. How do you spend it? And they said, it, it doesn't cost that much to turn Benedict Cumberbatch into a, into a dragon. It says, no, it costs that much to turn him back into a human. <laughs> <laughs> Benedict. You're not a you're not a dragon. You can't just fly around the set all day. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> Did you see, it's, it's funnier when you read it. Did you see the uh, the, the um, Colbert? Yeah, the Colbert. Yeah. Where, where he had Smaug come on. And and, and, sp- and speaking of Colbert, you know he's like one of the biggest talking. He's in movie. Desolation of Smaug. He is. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he is. He's one of um, oh, that's right. Yes. He's one of the Lord Spies. Lake Town Spies. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Stephen Fry is so good in that movie. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. As the Lord of Lake Town. I could have done without his boot look, though. Alfred? You, whatever. I, I never even bothered to learn his name. He's right. a poor man's agreement worm tongue. Yeah, mm. pretty much, yeah. A very poor man's. Like, I got two cents. What do you get me? Uh, I got this guy. Okay. <laughs> the Mexican non-union equivalent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's... It, it is the... It, I think it's the best told movie because that this one... Moves from yes. scene to scene yes. to scene to scene yeah. to scene. So I mean, you, you start off; they're being chased by a bear, who just turns out to be what's his name? Bayorn. Bayorn. I can't remember these people's names. And then they, you know, they go into Mirkwood. They run into the elves. They escape of the barrels in one of the most ridiculously over CG'd scenes in yeah. the entire yes. movie. Especially the thing with um, Bomber. Like pinballing, like boop, 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 boop. Yeah. <laughs> oh but, yeah, we bounced out, out yeah. of the. But even though that is a very CGI scene, as we learned from the behind the scenes, those actors did spend like five days in the barrel. In basically, what's like a you know river it's like rapid ride. It's, yeah. it's not yeah, it's going not a lazy, around. It's not a lazy river ride. No, going around like the same loops and Martin Freeman was outside of the barrels the entire time oh god because he was hanging on to the barrel the entire time oh but that brings you right to Lake Town which brings you right to the orcs attacking Lake Town yeah which brings you to the thing with Smaug and all of that that is what padded out the movie they wanted to have more interaction with Smaug mm-hmm. that, and that's when they extended the movies that out. entire battle with Smaug I thought was fantastically done it was I mean, them, them racing around the kingdom, the halls. Then you will be happy to know that all of that was just pulled out of Peter Jackson's ass. Yep. Just look over there. Just, you, no, just look over there. There's a dragon over there. Schmaug. Schmaug. Mr. Jackson calls him Schmaug. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, regarding Benedict Cumberbatch, he didn't just voice it. 
He went full Andy Circus. There's footage of him. You know, he's got the the gimp suit. I on, believe it. And he's oh, yeah. writhing around on the floor, trying to do dragon <laughs> motions. But when they were recording his voice, they put him on a platform and let him get down. And just he was doing everything like on the You were full method, huh? Yeah, he, he did. And what, what did they say that? To, I mean, that I I thought that that was his voice, like put through. It mostly wasn't. When you hear the recordings, it's almost the same. But what they did was it hippopotamuses or no yeah. crocodiles? Yeah. The the sound oh, people took the sound of crocodiles and put it in, so it's his voice over. Like crocodile, like mating crocodile the hissing, of a cro- hissing of a crocodile. Yeah, not the hissing, the, no. the, grunt, yeah. the growling. Which is kind of brilliant. That, that's, that's very well done. Yeah. That's, that's remarkable. And Mike, you'll be proud to know that at the end of that movie, when Smaug is flying out, and then Bill uh, Bill is like, "What have we done?" And they just boom. I just wanted to cry out. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I when I first saw it, and um, it's like I am fire, I am I am death. <laughs> I was like, I am Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and then that brings us to the Battle of the Five Armies, which I don't think three pages of book for a three-hour movie. I don't movie. think any if anyone if everyone is honest, that's nobody's favorite um, of the Lord no. of the movies. No, until you watch, and again, I, I'm not taking anything away from Desolation of Smaug. Until you watch the extended cut, that is a masterpiece. Alright, here's the interesting thing about this one, and I did not know this. I can't wait to hear this. Apparently, now what was the exact reasoning that they just didn't have enough time to get all the special effects rendered? They had over a half hour, they had over <laughs> a half hour of additional battle sequences that were put in here. First of all, they give Billy Connolly a reason for being there. Yeah. He just kind of shows up. He, he didn't make much of the theatrical. Ah, Scottish, 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 Scottish. Who the hell is Billy Connolly? Thorne's cousin. Yeah. Oh, him, yeah. Riding, and then the, riding on a great um, big... Battle War. Oh, the hog. The hog. Yeah. The hog is modeled after the hog in Hobbiton, who is the family pet of the, of Jackson. the Jackson family. They made him big and turned him into a battle hog. Nice. But, like, there was this great thing on um, everything wrong with Battle of the Five Armies where he's like, why the, where the hell did these rams come the rams, from? Yeah. Yeah. And why the fuck did they just get rid of the rams? They actually have a reason for why the rams are there, the battle rams There's are the there. Whole, like, chariot chase that got cut. Yeah. Did there was they... over a half hour of sequences that they just could not render in time for the theatrical release. So what they decided to do was they held back on all of this stuff, which... Graham McTavish was very upset. <laughs> I, I gotta ask you, did they give a reason for the Shy Halud? Huh? For the Shy Halud to is, be there? Is that the worms? Or, yeah, those the are the worms, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the wereworms. Well, did they, did they, well, no. You know what I, what I want to know? Did they have a reason for why Evangeline Lilly was there? I, I, honestly, they, I needed a, they needed a... I did not dude, remember her character. That movie was a sausage fest. It All was, three of those I movies were a sausage fest, man. It they were right, but it was so. I did. I did not. It was her so character. forced. Her the, the love. The, the love, romance. The was, romance was so was forced. The, the romance did not need to be there, but her character I liked a lot. Again, or the, or the implied uh, love triangle. You'll have a you'll have a a better 
appreciation of her once you watch all the behind the scenes stuff. The, the I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that she she didn't do a bad job. She worked her ass she off. Did a great job. It's just she, I thought her character was unnecessary. The love triangle kind of cracks me up because so in the end, Keely dies. Right. And the elves who are immortal, so the um, the rival is gone. Why why does Legolas just like give up? If if he's if he's, just, like, he's, he's, he wants got, someone he's, else, he's, he's got, dead now. He's oh, got a, well. he's got a clear path to her, but the next time you see him, he's he's hanging out with Gimli. Yeah. <laughs> no no no. The next time you see him, he's his father saying, "You should find this or this ranger named Aragorn." Yeah. Wink uh, wink wink. Thank you. I thought I thought well, I thought uh, Legolas and Aragorn were have been friends for a long time by the time. Well, they, by that I, time, I they, they had knew them. each other. I mean, I never really got the, the image from the from the original. Well, they must have. They must have been. Aragorn's been hanging out in Rivendell all this, right. all this time. I, yeah, but I never got the, the idea that they were best buddies, or that they'd known each other for. No, but they had known each other because Aragorn was friend of the elves. Yeah, I, I know I, he knew of each other, but I didn't. They weren't like buddies. All right, buddies. but back to the extended cut. Yeah. So. They didn't have time to render all of these things for CGI for the theatrical release. So they released the theatrical release as is, so there's a lot of holes in it. Yeah. Yeah. So they, as soon as the movie got released, they took like a week off and then went back in and rendered all of the effects. Added a half hour of additional battle sequences, filled in all the holes, so now Billy Connolly actually has a role that makes sense. There was this awesome like battle chariot. Where, you know, it's got like this Gatling gun of arrows that... You know. <laughs> of course it did. One thing that I took away from that was I felt watching The Hobbit that it was so CGI, like it was very CGI. And then I watched these documentaries and I realized it's a lot more real than it looks. Like the interior of Erebor, you know, with the green marble and everything, it looks like it's all CGI. It's not. They actually built like 75% of that is physical sets that were built. The right. same thing with Mirkwood. Mirkwood looks like it's all computer rendered. It's not. They built it and they put in all well, the so mushrooms I mean, it, and all the It trees. was the same thing with, with the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. A lot of the, the sets on there are real sets. But I think that because The Hobbit was filmed in a different film style, I, I don't well, know what was, it was called, but it, lo- it no, looks more this is, fake. Than no, it. you know what it was? It was, and I remember... They made a big deal when it was released. They 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 shot it in forty eight frames per second. Right. Oh yeah. Not as not in twenty four. And that made it so look a little faker. It made it yeah. It was well it, you because get, everything looks a little bit a little bit crisper and a little bit more. Right. Fresh, you, well, you get so, into you get into a non canny valley kind of situation where everything looks too real. Yeah. And so, there are times when the makeup is extremely obvious. Yeah. Right. But the other thing too, and I mentioned this earlier about like they forced perspective. Oh yes. They shot this in three D. Mm-hmm. They couldn't, you can't do forced perspective when right. you do a 3D movie. So they had this, do you remember the exact name of the, like, the process that they did? Essentially what they did was they had to build two sets. Two sets. So um, at Bilbo's house, mm-hmm. when it's Gandalf and all the dwarves in Bilbo, they had one camera that was shooting all of the shorter actors. Right. And then a slave camera that was filming the exact same thing following the exact in a green-screened room that was built with the same proportions, but for Gandalf's size. Yeah. So, essentially... He was alone. Gandalf was completely alone on his set, while all the other guys were on the small. But they were set. filming them simultaneously. Right. And he has an earpiece in so he could hear the people talking in the other room. And apparently, Sir Ian found that very, very difficult. It was very, very difficult for Sir Ian, yes. Yes. 
unlike, unlike the uh, shots of Saruman, where he, they filmed the entire scene and then they shot Christopher Lee like in England. later. Yeah, no, they shot him in England. It's yeah. like, I'm not getting on an airplane. I'm well, going to die soon. To, to be fair, though, he doesn't move. He does that almost entire scene, mm. either standing or, or see sitting. It sitting yeah. yeah. And he was not battling the ring race. No, his stunt double was doing that. Yeah. But then with Bayorn, that was interesting because they had to essentially do that three times over. Bayorn is bigger than Gandalf. Right. Who's bigger than the the dwarves and the hobbits. So they had built, what, three different sets of props. Yeah. So there was this chessboard that they made hand-carved pieces in three different sizes. And you have to scale it all. Everything was just scale. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so the next time you're thinking about badmouthing these motherfucking movies, man. Um, or, or Sir Ian's acting. So during that scene, they're all at the table. He's sitting here, and they've got his table, and they have tennis balls for eye points of where each person is supposed to be. dwarf is, yeah. And he has to remember which tennis ball is which dwarf. So it's like, look at Oin, look at Dory, look yeah. at Doran. And, they're, you know, they're all tennis balls. Right. It's like they should have stuck. I think at one point they did. They, like, put little cutouts of the guy's face <laughs> and stuck them underneath. Yeah, it, an amazing piece of. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't deny that they, they they put a lot of effort in it. Aesthetically, it's it's a beautiful movie. It's yeah. well shot. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just again, I question the need to make it. A right. It was one of those things that I was satisfied with what I saw, but I do not feel I'm glad that it's over. I mean, it, well, you know, I went to see I went to see it with uh, with Jim. Yeah. I went to see it with, when it first came out at Lemister, and I even told Jim, I'm like. Did we really need this? I mean, it was like. Well, I mean, I mean, when you watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy, they've got this huge epic scale, and you watch the Hobbit, the Hobbit trilogy, it's not nearly quite as epic. Oh, there's a lot of. There, I mean, there, there's a lot to it, but the, just the sheer scope of the story does not match what they. I mean, that's what a, they put. You know what? I, su- I suppose looking back on it, if. If you did condense it into one, even two movies, it might be one of those things where maybe too much is happening too quickly. Maybe. I, 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 I can kind of see that. You know, but, but it's, it's like... Yeah. You know, Whatever. You know what? Like, it's it's in the past. It is. It's though. potentially more than two movies, but not quite up to three. Well, okay, so let's... You know, you're talking about scale. Let's talk about something totally different. For me, Martin Freeman... Martin Freeman was fantastic. The layers that he could put in and the little thing. I mean, oh, he was there's... talking about a particular actor's performance. It doesn't matter the size of the epic. I, I thought Martin. Oh. And I'm going to say, I called this. Yeah, years, years ago, ago. Before they even announced it was done. I remember, because I remember watching Love Actually being like, that guy would make a great Bilbo. And when they cast him, I called Andy up and I was like, this is the only time in my life I have ever done this. I predicted an actor who's going to play a role like five years ago. <laughs> no, he's gonna, they did it. No, he did it. He did a wonderful job. Martin, I mean, Martin Freeman, Freeman is just a is just a fantastic actor. You, and you put him in a role, he is going to take it and make the most out of it. There's, there's no question about that. So, awesome. All right, last part of the movies we're going to talk about real quick before we move on to the Lord of the Rings Trivial Pursuit game. Bless you. Bless you, honey. Um, at the end of all six of the movies, there was a signature song. We need to rank these. Oh, God, I don't even remember. All right, so here's the list. 
I sent this to I, you. I, I, I think, know. I think our lists are pretty much the same. Uh, I know. I just wrote them down. Ours uh, is the worst. Yeah. So the, return, the yeah, return return to cake is the best. So from Fellowship of the Rings, may it be by Enya. May it be an evening Two Towers, Gollum Song by the Mexican non-union equivalent Bjork. King into the West by Annie Lennox. Unexpected Journey, The Misty Mountains by Neil Finn. Desolation of Smaug, I See Fire by Ed Sheeran. And if we should die tonight, we should all die together. Raise a glass of wine for the last time. Cold enough, Father. 
watch the flames burn over and on the mountainside. Desolation comes upon the sky. Now I see fire inside the mountain. I see fire. Battle of the Five Armies, Last Goodbye by Billy Boyd. Mm. I saw the light fade from the sky On the wind I held a sigh As the snowflakes cover my fallen brothers, I will say this last goodbye. Night is now falling, so ends this day. The road is now calling, and I must away. That one is appropriate to the ending of it all, but it's not something that I would play. No, like on right. a playlist of no, cool but, background songs. And I think with, with the movies, the return. I think for me, number one is Return of the King. Any, yep. The end of you know any land, land, land Yeah, that's what that's the trigger for me. That's the yeah. when the waterworks come. Ed Sheeran's "I See Fire" is awesome. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I never put that, even I'll listen put that, to it because it's not on Spotify. I would put that number two. That's true. We do have it on Google though. Oh, okay. Um. Actually, Mike, I think I agree with you on this whole thing. Yeah. Um. You you put so you see into the west. I see fire. The misty mountains. Yeah, that's my number three. I, I, I really like that version of it. I also really like the version that they sing in the movie. Right. No, I agree. They're both really good versions. Um, Last Goodbye, which, you know, court, you know, with I agree with Autumn that it's just a good way of ending the entire thing. Because mm. God knows, again, unless Peter Jackson has three well-intentioned bombs come up after this, we're not going to see the Cimmerillion. May it be... Which is just kind of... It's, it's a good song, but it's just like... Yeah, it, you hear it, it's... Oh, I like that song, and then you forget about it. Yep. And then Gollum's song is Which just I don't even I don't even remember it. It's awful. That's why it's my last one, because I don't even remember it. All right. Now, did anybody do your homework and listen to the musical? musical? I did a little bit. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my... you got to be kidding There was a point when... I think you might have gone to get Scarlet off the bus... You went out the other, on Monday when I was off, and I'm like, I was listening to it, and I'm like, no, no, I can't take this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> well, it didn't, Make it stop. It didn't seem, I only listened to about five minutes of it, but it didn't follow proper either 
Broadway musical format or even opera format. It was it all seemed like background like mood music with elves singing in the background. But the point of a musical is songs are used to convey the plot or to right. convey the character. This isn't happening. This is just el- elvish music in the background punctuated by Hobbit drinking ditties. Yeah. But I was like, isn't Aragorn going to come and have a song about, you know, his quest? Isn't Gimli going to sing a dwarf song? Aren't they going to teach us about their character? No, it was just like elvish background music and made me think of Cirque du Soleil. To be fair, if you read the books, there's a lot of songs in those. That's yeah. yeah. There were a lot of really stupid songs in those friggin' books. I had forgotten about this musical until uh, my friend Dave actually sent something over to me on Facebook that said, it's a fairly surreal Broadway musical version that was done about five years ago in Toronto. It's the best music to play if I want to guarantee that my wife doesn't want to have sex with me for some reason. <laughs> I, I was fitting Toronto is where Soup de Soleil came from. Yeah. About it's the, not good. The, the songs in the, when I was started reading The Hobbit to Scarlet, we got to the, the Misty Mountain song, and I said, oh, I, I could sing this one to her because I know the melody, but I forgot that it is 15 verses long. <laughs> so I'm trying to sing the music melody. After a while, you're like, you yeah, after time, I'm like, like, okay, she's going to go to bed by 8. <laughs> I'm only on verse 6. <laughs> How long is that? Like, no, that's what Bilbo Baggins' hate song goes. Yeah. That, that one goes on for a bit, too. Well, the part I just read was when they, they dump the casts, the elves dump the casts into the river. Yeah. That that has, like, a two-page song about singing about the barrels going into the water. Why did he... Why was he so obsessed with music, I wonder? He was a terrible writer. He had to do something to pad it out. How All right. Many, how, many, how many dinner songs did they sing at, at um, Rivendell in Lord of the Rings? How many descriptions of meals <laughs> are there in this goddamn series? Oh, my God. Walking... Walking, eating. more walking, walking, eating, walking, pooping. They never poop. No, and they don't poop. They never do. Especially how many times they eat. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. <laughs> Maybe that's a side effect of Lumbus. Maybe. Feels <laughs> <laughs> a full grown man stomach in one bite, but man, is it binding. <laughs> Do you want to read one of those Trivial Pursuit cards, hon? Oh, I'll have to find a good one. Talk about something else. Get a good one, right. Okay, they're all good, because they're all hard. They're not all hard. Yeah. You've seen the movie many times. Yeah, I know that. I just, I'm just i I'm terrible with movie characters' names, especially, like, who was the old man who was shuddering at the door? And... Tom Bombadil. You got one? Don't do one that's going to stump us. Okay, well... Okay, here, here's a... Uh, who in the Fellowship is the first to enter Balin's tomb in Moria? Ooh. Ooh. That would be Gimli. Gimli. That is correct. Uh-huh. He rushes in. Yes, he does. Oh, no! What object Ooh. does Faramir use to lift the chain with the ring from Frodo's neck? Sword? No. Um, what, like the tongs or something like that? No, it is his sword. How many indoor bag-end sets were built to meet the size requirements of Middle-earth beings? Two. <laughs> Three. Two. Oh. Now here's a tricky one. All right. Which key illustrator broke his left arm on the oh. Lothlorien set as it was being built? Why don't you ask me who the best grip is? Tom Bombadil. That's in here somewhere. No, the answer is Alan Lee. Oh. I was close. Yeah, I remember who the grip is on the best boy. Earlier we were asked the name of the prosthetic 
artist who put on uh, Sean Astin's feet. sand feet every day. That was Tom Bombadil. <laughs> Let it go. No, Sean Astin had his own hairy feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, good conversation. Thank you. Autumn, thank you. Excellent. Yes. So, next show, Mike. It's WrestleMania time. Nice. <laughs> so, more than likely, Joe will probably bow out of this one, as will most of the people. This is why we bring it. We, this is why we bring guests in for the. I think uh, Rossi's Rossi this absolutely one. Down awesome. For it. Awesome. So, uh, we're not actually going to review like the the ten like we usually do. This time, uh, we're going to be talking our favorite title matches in WrestleMania history. So, as long as a belt was on the line. Well, then number one is absolutely got to be. Uh, Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Well, of course yeah. it was. There were two million people in the audience in attendance that night, and he weighed over two metric tons. Yeah, and he and Hogan lifted him up over his head with both his arms outstretched. Brother. <laughs> and apparently, according to the doctor law- lawsuit, he doesn't have a ten-inch penis. <laughs> Yeah. He's got small hands. So, if you want to get in on this, if you've got a list of your favorite title matches, you can uh, get to us at geeksoutradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can like us, your favorite us on Twitter at geeksoutradio. Uh, like our, our Facebook page at geeksoutpodcast. Um, also, check out our archive at the iTunes Store, the Stitcher app, the Podbean app, or uh, just check us out at geeksoutpodbean.com. So, Autumn, thanks again. Now, hold on, hold on. We, yeah. have, we have to go on for another half hour so we can have an extended cut of this podcast. Oh, damn it. You didn't ask me as a woman to rank the dwarves in order of attractiveness. All right, go ahead. Do you want to do that real quick? <laughs> no, I couldn't go through all 13 of them. No, we... Yeah, the first one is better be Thorn, because that's my celebrity <laughs> doppelganger. <laughs> no, number one is the, uh, the guy that was in the uh, British version of... Um, oh, what, what was that... What was that show with uh, the vampire, the werewolf, and the ghost all living de- together? Oh, uh, the BBC, yeah, the one with Sam Woodward. Being Human? Yes. Being, being human, human, yeah, the, the British version of it. The vampire was was the attractive uh, dwarf that um, Toriel... Oh. Keeley. Keeley, yes. Someone. Yes. Poldark. Poldark, yes, exactly. Not Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's Creed. That dude looks like no. That dude looks like Chad Kroger. Sorry, <laughs> but I digress. So anyway, until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. Go forth and be nerdful. We will talk to you soon. tale that will strive to prove that people of all walks of life can work together as long as they're all white. Seriously, even when they die, they come back whiter. And an adventure where every lead character faces constant mortal danger, but only Sean Bean dies. Gee, haven't seen that before.